Um, welcome back, everybody, to Grumpy Little Talks. This is episode three. Um, I'm Abby, the podcast host, and I've made sure I didn't make that mistake this week. And this week, I've got Chelsea to come and talk Hi. to us about many interesting things. Um, so, Chelsea, did you want to tell everybody a little bit about you? Yeah, I can do. Um, so, I'm Chelsea. I'm a trend forecasting student at Solon. Um, I'm the only person on the course at the moment, but that's <laughs> that is that does give me some positives. Um, I do a lot of stuff with technology and fashion at the moment. I'm really interested in sustainability and fashion and kind of how all of those things can work together to make a more positive fashion industry. Which we love to hear. Of course. <laughs> uh, so for those that don't know us, um, Chelsea does go to the same uni as me, but she is the only student on her uh, trend forecasting um, course, which I don't know. How would you find that, Chelsea? Um, it's been a really unique experience. Like sometimes yeah. it's harder on your own. So I was in your dissertation group, which I really liked because it was really nice yeah. to bounce ideas off other people. And it was like yes. one of the first opportunities <laughs> I had. <laughs> yeah, but I'm quite I'm quite an independent learner and self-motivated. So it hasn't really been too much of a challenge for me. Obviously, its perks is that I get a lot of one-to-one time with my tutors, Yeah, um, which I know is a privilege. <laughs> I mean, at Solon, that's definitely a privilege. That, yeah, I'm happy with that. Let's do okay. it. Let's let's do this thing. So, <laughs> Chelsea, what can you tell us about VR, so virtual reality, being used to tackle um, Zoom fatigue during lockdown? Yeah, so I started working with virtual reality uh, for a uni project about digital futures. Um, and it was kind of perfectly timed with COVID with everyone having Zoom fatigue uh, to try and be really experimental with this new technology. Um, so my uh, university unit looked a lot about the environmental impact of the internet, being quite critical of all of these emerging technologies. Um, yeah. But so the initial brief was just to do a presentation I could have done it however I wanted but I found VR when I was doing all of this technological research like this really cool way to like engage people and display your ideas you could move around in a virtual space and like really immerse the viewer in what you were trying to say or show and and I found some people hate it. Like I had to do some user testing with my friends and family. And for some people, it takes some getting used to. Like it's a weird oh, no. environment with the avatars and stuff. But I like I really just fell in love with it. I used it for like so many projects other than the one I started with. Um, but even though you can't see the people's faces, you have avatars kind of like what we've got here. <laughs> so yeah. I can see when you're talking at me. Um, just being able to like interact in the same digital space and move around in a 3D environment I felt that had a a lot more like human connection than just looking at a screen and I know it can be like especially doing uni some people on like nine to five just sitting in front of a screen and And you're kind of self more self-conscious about like what yourself looks like in the bottom of the screen um yeah, yeah I think and we'll like that we'll look at our little <laughs> camera and we'll be watching ourselves but not what the lecturer or our boss is saying and it's so bad <laughs> yeah so it kind of takes that away from it but also you can't really mute yourself or like hide your camera because your little person will be there it's really strange but I think it's really um useful yeah um just just made me feel a lot more connected to the people in that space with me um and kind of since that deadline I've done loads with people loads of other students giving talks and workshops and trying to get like 
everyone involved with VR because I just think it's this really cool emerging way to communicate with other people um, especially for like creative students and design like you can put on your own virtual exhibitions um, create 3D objects which is kind of that kind of pushes your graphic design or your way of presenting to like a new level that's what I'm really trying to challenge myself with at the moment is to get into 3D design. Um, See, I would have no idea where to start. Like, I'm not that kind <laughs> of creative. So if anybody's looking for help with VR, I think it's fair that they could ask you. Yeah, I'm the VR girl at Solent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so yeah, it is difficult to get into, but there's so many YouTube tutorials um, so for a lot of my VR rooms, I use Mozilla Hubs, um, right. which is free to use. It doesn't take any coding or anything. If you know how to like use the Sims, you could get your head around Mozilla Hubs. Well, that's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I just, I can't talk enough about it. I just <laughs> really love the technology. It's good. You're, you're passionate about it. And it's, def- it's a skill, like you said, that you picked up during lockdown. So at least it's a positive that you've taken from lockdown. Yeah. And I think it's, especially when things are contactless at the moment, and there's so many, like, Zoom calls and stuff, um, or even, like, phone calls, it's just something new and exciting. Yeah. Um, and with all of my trend forecasting stuff, I, like, try and pick up on these emerging themes and force them into macro trend narratives and stuff and I think it's part of this bigger thing about um, digital experiences like the mix of physical and digital Um, and the music industry is doing some really cool stuff with that at the moment there's a company in London called Tobacco Dock that have um, that have like recreated all of their live event spaces in VR Mm. um which is like really cool like attending concerts when you can't because of social restrictions that and is, social distancing because yeah. i think and it, us, it, it, um most sorry. of us have <laughs> like we've all missed something that we were looking forward to go to like i know i've got tickets for stuff that i wanted to see so if people were able to do that digitally like what you, is that what you said digital like that's yeah really cool yeah, like if you had a VR, have you ever put a VR headset on? Um, yeah, but it was probably like not the best one. I'm sure I it was like <laughs> some kind of I don't know, like bowling, like bowling alley thing, or like yeah, I yeah, it wasn't a casino, but like some. I'm definitely sure I've used one at some point. <laughs> but yeah, they're so immersive. So ob- it's never going to be equal to. Uh, physical experiences uh, which I think is a value in mixing that digital that physical and digital but like it is really cool it's a new way of interacting with people Um, uh, when I was looking at like some articles for this when I was finding quotes um, they made a really fair point um, which is about sustainability which we can also get into later Um, Mm -hmm. but you know saying about how um like digital fashion and everything like like along those lines is a new level of sustainability so again it's just a bonus really isn't it that it's just another way that yeah we're using like more internet more wi-fi etc but it's still another way we can be sustainable and interact with people like you said yeah there's a lot oh i can't can't get into it now (laughs) but there's um there's the own there's different arguments for the sustainability of the internet and stuff, which I just found like mind blowing, like the the carbon footprint of an email, like something yeah. you'd never even, never even consider that that would have a physical impact. And it's small, but it does. And thinking about how that adds up. Um, so my lect- me and my lecturer on that course made like a pact that we wouldn't send useless emails. Like we wouldn't send <laughs> the... We wouldn't send the thanks for that email or see you then because we would we'd just be there when we needed to be there. Um, yeah. Things like, and like the cloud, 
everyone talks about the cloud and you kind of think of it as this like intangible thing in the sky that doesn't really exist but the cloud is just um like halls and halls of computer stuff in the desert like it is physical and every little uh, computer server needs a fan to cool it down so there are like real impacts to everything yeah, no, <laughs> I'm mind-blowing saying there's a physical impact to the things that we do online which makes complete yeah. logical sense like you're not spurting stuff that isn't understandable like we understand what you're saying <laughs> yeah I just found it the extent of it like mind-blowing and then you're like oh should I should I stop sending emails well when you said about not sending like a thank you email or something like that if I did that to my lecturers I'd feel so rude because I think I'm quite a blunt emailer myself but then if I (laughs) I didn't say that oh thanks for that one just like checking up I'd feel quite rude but I think that's that's a good alternative yeah obviously you don't do it when it when it is rude (laughs) but like so my lecturers would send links to the Zoom things. I don't need to thank her for that because I can thank her for that when I see her and yeah. things like that. It's, it's like even more tied to like the way we overconsume and we want to send hundreds of emails and things like, well, maybe not want to, but we do. <laughs> it's, just part, it's just part of our day-to-day life now, isn't it? We're just so involved with emails and online and like it's such a massive part of the industry as well like even just regardless digital stuff like we use it so much within the industry I think we really all should have more of an understanding um because otherwise like if the the I think there's been many talks about like moving digitally and like in the future and moving fashion to complete digitalness like so you'd have like you said you'd have your avatar um and then it's like the investment in like digital fashion and stuff like that. Have you heard anything like that? Yeah, yeah. I'm in two minds about that because there's a lot of people promoting that as the solution to the fashion industry. Like, yeah, you'd have your avatar and you'd buy clothes. But I just think we're going to get onto it in the, ne- the next, later yeah. on with like the questions about body image. But like... I just think that's a novelty and people aren't talking enough about the ways that the digital things can be used practically to influence. It's more than just, oh, your avatar can wear something. To me, that just seems like an extra avenue of consumption. Yeah. And I just don't think it's purposeful for everyone. Um, Critical of it, but I'm trying to think quite critically about everything that I just... I feel like that's just because everyone's excited about the technology, but I'm thinking, how can it actually be used to influence things? You should be critical of it because I have no real understanding of it. You have a much better understanding of it than me. And I think it's right to be critical of it because like you said before about how when people, like when they would have their avatar, one of the selling points that I got when I was talking about, well, not selling points, but what people were interested with stereo is like you said, it was about the avatar, but, it's never going to be the same as like looking another human being in the face and having a conversation. So yeah, I, and I, well, the same with clothing as well. Like yeah. that digital garment is never going to have the same value as like a jumper that your grandma knitted for you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you yeah. can't get the same sentimental value. There's not the same circularity of like clothing that could be passed down through generations and things or repaired and reused no I agree because I'm it takes away the human value of it doesn't it because if it, it's not in your hands you can argue that it's not there even if even if it's in your phone it's not physical um so yeah and also that I think the discussion which oh, all of the topics that we're talking about today I can just see them linking up as I say them but um, with with the discussion of like online and digital fashion for the people who struggle to afford physical clothes and to like sort out their wardrobe and clothe their family it's going to be even harder online digitally if everything moves online because what about the people that can't afford the most expensive phone and can't afford the most like up-to-date software like everything is (laughs) Yeah, that's a real, I did have that point for later, but um, 
in all of my yeah well I'll mention it now but like in all of my research now I have to think about that no technology is apolitical like everything that is coded and made has the ethics and the values of that person that coded it so with everything I'm trying to think about who created this what were their motives who's funding the technology who's excluded from using this technology like you said how is it intended to be used but also what are the ways that it can be exploited and then yeah. we talked we talked before about um deep fakes and stuff and the ways that that can be used harmfully which is just scary on its own like but you could you could literally pick apart like every piece of technology you use in that same way yeah okay so should we um should we move on to the next question since we're so eager to bring up the next (laughs) yeah so Chelsea my next question to you is um in what ways can technology be used to influence women I I mean people but specifically women's body image and the way that they perceive themselves yeah so um in my project uh with the VR and all of my research about that I thought a lot about how technology changes the fashion industry and a lot of this when you when you're researching fashion and stuff a lot of it does come back to women's body image and the way that they're perceived um so I was finding these new technologies like um 3d body scanning to create clothes so you could get clothes that fit exactly to your body um with 3d printing and stuff that can be pushed even further and I thought like that's such a powerful solution to like cater to all kinds of body shapes and like when it becomes more mainstream and funded and not that I support fast fashion but fast fashion and companies like that they've got no reason not to be totally inclusive because that technology will be there and I think the same can be said for like these 3d generated models I don't know if you've seen them at the moment I'm sure you have on Instagram um but they there's an opportunity there to be to have a really diverse representation of bodies but even just quite experimental and new ways of displaying clothes and garments and bodies that aren't the standard runway model or at the moment we have like runway model or plus size model yeah you might get a campaign that's a bit more diverse but The same with that technology is like what I was talking about before is how can it be used to harm as well so even though those 3D models could be really diverse they could also just reinforce the same slim white models that we see everywhere and push that even further because there's really no limits to like I will will never understand how we are still using slim white models i don't understand because well i mean i do like in the reality of the world i do understand but in this industry where we're supposed to be so inclusive and we're supposed to be celebrating diversity and we take inspiration from all different cultures and all different countries how like how in the world are we still including this skinny <laughs> white model as the like epitome of beauty like what it, it doesn't like i understand the reality of it but in practice it's just like what what are you doing? <laughs> I was doing some um, reading the other day, which has really like um, really changed the way I think about um, women's bodies and fashion and stuff. And it was in this book called um, The Anti-Capitalist Book of Fashion, which was right. a fantastic book. I recommend everyone reads it. Read it. <laughs> um, but it talked about how every time there's a movement of women's liberation um so like in the 1920s with the suffrage movement um and the 1960s with um the new waves of feminism after every point of those there comes in this really thin um female body type 
look type, uh, like standard for women to be really thin. Yeah, there is. Oh my god. Um, which was mind blowing for me. And the in the book they discussed it as like this way for like a patriarchal capitalist society to like while women are getting these new freedoms and things to trap them inside of their own body by making them oh feel insecure and like they need to be smaller doesn't it change the way you think about it like with the 1920s yeah, be like slim like I did yeah. A-level history and I did GCSE history and I'm a very very openly proud feminist and like you can see the pattern but I've never looked at it in that way like they're, they're 1000% right like every time you said, we get through some stage of female liberation and then it's like, no, get skinny again. And it's like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that really changed the way I thought about things because with a lot of my trend forecasting stuff, I always refer back to history before yeah. I look forward. And I was like, we're kind of going through a women's like deliberation period oh at the moment god. aren't we <laughs> I yes, oh, my, oh my god no because that means that all the work that we've done unless history changes itself we're going to go through that stage again well let's hope that oh, hope history, we can change that history. let's change history so that it doesn't happen again because otherwise it'll just <laughs> again and again oh my god Chelsea I did not expect this <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to give you a crisis. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh um, it reminds me of, uh, I think we spoke about this the other day. There was that video, um, I think people have probably seen the ads on like Instagram or in the app store or whatever. Uh, or I, I think I saw it on Twitter where like it edited the woman's body as she moved. So this woman was quite a slender, like a very beautiful woman. Um, but then they were like the editing was like giving her like a um, like I can't remember the word I can't remember it now but like they cleared her skin they made her legs more long and a bit more muscular and I like as I was watching it I was just like oh my goodness because it, it, it's yeah. so bad for the people that are struggling with their body image that's either going to be something that they'll they'll love and it'll be terrible for them or it could be really mm. traumatizing so oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah like they'll either become totally reliant on it yeah I think the more and more stuff I see that I'm like the solution is just to quit social media <laughs> if I if I wasn't doing like a fashion trend related course and wanted to aspire to that in my career like I think I would have quit it quit it by now but obviously yeah, there is value in it, but I do just think right now it's more harm than good. Yeah. Like, because I'm awful. I'm one of those people who, like, I, I only follow, like, meme pages and then my close friend. Well, not, I've like, friends, close friends um, and acquaintances. I don't really follow influencers per se because I don't really, like, I think many of them are very hypocritical. Um, and the things that they put forward, they don't really believe or they don't really act on. So I'm a big believer in the fact that you choose what you put through your phone. But also, yeah. people that think do come through that weren't your choice. Because so, it could be from an ad or something like that. Because I can guarantee you, now we've spoken about this, I'm going to have like seven different ads come up in the next couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think everyone should like take their own initiative and curate your feed like yeah. if something doesn't bring you happiness on your feed or inspiration or insight and knowledge remove it or um mute them because I know sometimes you can't unfollow people because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it might create arguments but mute yes. them just yeah curate your feed have it something that makes you happy inspires you educates you don't fill it with anyone that makes you feel insecure or anything that makes you feel Absolutely. I was going to say uncomfortable obviously sometimes with a lot of the stuff that you do I know you're very outspoken yeah yeah, yeah. Um, like politically obviously sometimes you need to confront things that make you feel uncomfortable but yeah. I mean things that make you feel insecure oh we've got a message a message finish what you were saying and then, and then we'll listen to what the message um, says. yeah so I think everyone should curate your feed and also 
I'd give a tip in that in your explore page, if you hold down something on Instagram, you can choose not interested. And it might take a couple of tries to stop getting that theme. But I found I was getting a lot of diet stuff, which I just didn't want to see. And like quite toxic um, fitness stuff. And I just, every time I saw it, I clicked not interested. So I get a lot less of that now. Oh, that's good. I didn't know that. See, that can be, that can be the tip that comes from this. If people didn't know that, we can add that. That can come from this podcast. (laughs) Did you want to listen to what our question has to say? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh, it's from, it's from Sophie. You guys make my feed happy. (laughs) Thank you so much. You make my feed happy too. They're true. You make mine happy. She was here last week. The first episode, she was texting me the whole way through it. And now she's giving a voice message. Can't get rid of her. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, make your feed into something that makes you happy. Or inspires you. Absolutely. Like, it's your life. You choose what you put, like, what comes through your phone. Okay. Yeah. Was there anything else that you wanted to discuss about technology um, in, in that way? Or should we move on to the next question? Um, I could talk about it for hours, so. Oh, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's your choice, Chelsea. Whatever you want to say, I'm here to talk. Let's go on to the next question. Thank you, thank you. So then, the third and final question of this podcast is, how important, well, this podcast episode, not the whole podcast, but how important is sustainability and fashion to you? Sustainability and fashion is literally everything to me. <laughs> everything, nearly everything that I think about, I try and relate it back to that. Everything I read, I try and relate back to that. So I've had quite a, a journey in the last few years. We can get like a lot more into detail in this, but yeah. Uh, like later on because I know you've got points as well um but like I've kind of subconsciously engaged with sustainable fashion my whole life I come from um a working class-ish background my mum was a teenage mum so we so we shopped a lot in charity shops and stuff when I was younger had hand-me-downs um had we also bought from Primark and stuff as well. But so I kind of subconsciously always engaged, engaged, sorry, <laughs> engaged with sustainable fashion. And then in my early teens, I was maybe a bit embarrassed. I knew that I liked shopping in charity shops, but I think that age where you start first going into town by yourself, I'd like go into the charity shops, but like, Make, so, make sure no one saw me going in or out, which I know is a bad thing now and I shouldn't be ashamed of it, but it was at the time. Um, and then when I was about 15 or 16, um, I was really interested in trends, but obviously didn't have the, the money to keep up with them by shopping at Topshop or Urban Outfitters. So I used to thrift a lot of the outfits or... I used to be really into making clothes as well or like DIY and things. Um, and then when I was 17, I chose to go to university and do trend forecasting because at that point in my life, I was really interested in fast fashion and Instagram influencers. I've grown a lot since then. <laughs> you were 17, you were a child. Yeah. Nobody's to have no. <laughs> that we don't have a go at children like that no but we can grow and evolve and I did so at that time when I was thinking I wanted to do trend forecasting my career path for myself was I was kind of thinking designer or buyer for a company like Pretty Little Thing or Misguided or Boohoo or something like that something quite colourful and youthful and then throughout my time at university I've just like gotten 100% sustainable fashion like buy everything I can secondhand I think <laughs> I think I buy everything secondhand other than some underwear <laughs> <laughs> um but even then I'll try and find ways around it if I can um you're a model shopper you're the perfect <laughs> shopper aren't you I try to be and I try to I don't 
expect that from anyone else everyone else obviously because you can't you can't be 100% sustainable in everything I'm not I think I'm not 100% I know I'm not but I try my hardest and this is yeah. that we need everybody trying their hardest because then real change will be made yeah definitely yeah it's better for everyone to take a small step than for a handful of people to just do 100 percent um and i think there has been good work done i know it's definitely a two-sided argument but like the there's less stigma around secondhand shopping now but then obviously that comes with the gentrification of charity shops and depot um, from our prior conversation um, makes me very angry um, so just bear <laughs> if I get a bit angry <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah which is kind of kicking the working class people out of the system of fashion that they created like working class interaction with fashion is inherently sustainable and circular because they yeah. don't have the economic means to overconsume. It's so, it's just chef's kiss. It's just, it's, it's perfect. They're just there. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now um, I really want to do an MA um, in fashion cultures and histories. And I, my career path, I want to lean more towards these macro trends and future forecasting and fashion futures, less to do with like, dictating and predicting micro trends like oh this is the top top for this season or these shoes will be really in I want to do more about right how can we make this whole system better yeah I said I mean it sounds really good. Um, <laughs> so first of all um Chelsea and I I had exactly the same experience growing up like I came from a working class background as well and like I have distinct memories of like me and my twin we would be embarrassed to walk into um, a charity shop. It like it, well, I was definitely embarrassed. I can't speak on her behalf, but it was yeah because we went to want to say like early two thousands. The demonization of working class people was disgusting. It it was terrible. Like we're we're literally stuck in a system because of these people, and then they're saying that we're the disgusting ones and we're the problems. That's something that I could go on about for hours. So I'm not I'm not gonna. Yeah. <laughs> Um, have you read the Chubbs book? No, but I, you, you know what? I need to make a list of these books because you'll get they sound great. <laughs> that book, like, massively changed, not even changed my perspective, more just reassured the feelings that I had. Um, yeah, that's a fantastic book as well. Another book recommendation. <laughs> but, yeah, that talks about that demonization of the working class and I think for women it's almost doubled I was researching um for my MA application about um aesthetic labor and these working class people part of that job role and position is looking nice as well and looking nice to the standard of these middle class consumers and stuff which is really difficult when which is so you need a job it's so classist it's so sexist. yeah oh, oh, oh disgusting disgusting <laughs> Kelsey I told you I told you it was gonna make me mad <laughs> but there's been so you can talk about Depop and things being gentrified but it's definitely made this online space for more people to engage with it and even though it is gentrified with some people selling kids' tops for £40. <laughs> there are still sellers there who are selling their old clothes. You didn't see it, and... but I just did the biggest eye roll ever because... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, like, I've started using vintage as well because that seems to be a lot less um, gentrified and overpriced. Um, but eBay, I can't wait for the charity shops to open. My tip with charity shops is it's usually the chains like um, Cancer Research and British Heart Foundation, those big chain ones that are in like every town centre where the prices have gone up. If you find charity shops of um, charities that are local to you, they usually still have those charity shops 
lower prices plus feel the prices the the good yeah yeah and plus you're supporting causes local to you there's less of like the big ceo at the top making millions (laughs) well there's one near where i live second tip of the episode (laughs) yeah look for the the local one and also just think about sustainable fashion in gifts close to your friends or your neighbours or repair clothes um, repurposed clothes I'm always I've got so many clothes <laughs> but I'm always too scared to throw things away because I look back at pictures of like my mum who grew up in the 90s and like all of the outfits that she used to wear and I'm like why didn't you keep that yeah, why didn't you have know, that like vintage Nike jumper that would be yeah. so cool now but I'm like I feel quite protective over my clothes. Like, oh, this could come back round in yeah, five years. I don't want to get rid of things because if that's when I have kids, if I, I want to be able to give things down. Like, oh. yeah, that's such a good point. And I had, I never really think about that. But every time I look back at my mom's photos, like my mom has some of the best clothes that I've seen, and she dresses really well now as well. So I'm just like, yeah. like that's going to be mine as well. Like, don't think you're keeping those; they're going to be mine. <laughs> yeah that's amazing so could you give us one more tip one one more random tip because then I can do three tips from Chelsea a random tip it could be Um, be with anything that we've talked about today I think I will go back to the point about recognizing that no technology is apolitical and really think critically about these new technologies you're using and weigh up if they're they'll be overall positive or negative um because I think that's really powerful for especially like creatives and people in the fashion industry to um to think about and if you're not thinking about it then (laughs) <laughs> you're not no, thinking you about the consequences of your action I'm not I really like, like sorry you finish yours you're, you're, I'm, so, <laughs> I'm so invested I just want to get involved but finish with what you were saying <laughs> um, I was just going to say um, there's this way of thinking um, that's called like seven generation thinking so you think about how the technology you're using or the the things that you're making um what they'll look like in seven generations and if that will be a positive or a negative impact on society the environment the people using it yeah no it sounds really interesting um i've completely forgot oh what i was gonna say because when you mentioned um about uh like technology uh not being apolitical i remember when you first mentioned it to me i was like oh that's a really good point and i think because you've opened this conversation because i know that i only considered it then i know that there will be people listening to this that you've now opened their mind to it because we recognize it in like the internet and we recognize it in like the ads that come through or the websites that we visit but like it it sounds like technology itself it has a political side like the way that it can be used and the way that it can be influenced like it just depends who's using it doesn't it yeah and who's creating I know you said you didn't want to get too political no, no. <laughs> but yeah I'm um, here for the politics bring the politics we can do the politics <laughs> yeah it's like the people at the top of those tech industries are rich white men so yeah. the things that they're producing even subconsciously are going to be catered towards exactly rich white men exactly. <laughs> if I had, oh you you gave me that example the other day was it siri or like there was like a facial recognition um device that you, you said it didn't recognize black people because it yeah obviously made by white people and i remember you told me and i was just like oh my god yeah because for them like that wouldn't have been something that they had to consider I think that's why you need more diversity in yeah. race and yes, gender yes, as well yes yes in, yes, yes. <laughs> in those industries because then 
that is how you overcome those biases yeah, in I technology guess. and in code yeah, yes, but it's at yeah. the moment it's quite scary that there isn't that because you think about all of the technology that's coming out now that doesn't have that diversity or that that person <laughs> you just need someone critical being there like who's this for who's it made by who's it good for <laughs> like who's it not good for literally we we should be because we have white privilege we um i saw this post and it and it's a random example but it was i think it was for the mandalorian um um they were saying about how they had um a, like oh i can't remember the character but they had one uh, they had one of the characters using their language uh, their like future sign language and it and it just turned out that um like somebody on the board um, or in the writer's office or whatever, like they realised that they didn't have somebody who um, spoke with sign language, with I think ASL, I think it is. And like, we have that white privilege. We should be looking at the space and be like, who is not here? Who do we need yeah. to be accommodating to? Because the, the problem is, if, oh, cause oh my God, I could go on for hours. Because the people that normally care about these things, oh, my twins just text me saying it's the Tuscan Raiders. Tuscan Raiders! <laughs> from the Mandalorian that, that that's the ones that had um ASL but like the the people that normally care about these things they normally don't have enough funding or they aren't in the position of power because there's a whole other discussion about being um like psychopaths and a whole thing that I could go into but like it's about <laughs> creating space and having the funding and the right people having the right funding and yeah yeah that's there's a whole thing I could, I could go on for hours but I I went thousand yeah I went thousand percent agree yeah. Oh, also, my twin texted me again, and it says uh, I was completely wrong. I told the story completely wrong. It was a deaf actor, and then so it was a deaf actor who created the Tuscan sign language. Okay, I'm sorry, I got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yeah, yeah, I think what you said about looking at things and saying who's missing. Yeah. Oh, another one. Finish what you were saying. We'll do one more. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah, no, I was just um, agreeing with what you were saying. Yeah, that that, yeah you, we, we've got the responsibility, it's our responsibility exactly. to say who's missing here. Yeah, we have to question and then we're going to do the GPT recommends and then we're going to have to wrap it up because I'm having an amazing time talking, but I feel like we could talk for hours. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so who's, who's talking to us this time? It was a girl called Annie. So before I met Chelsea, I genuinely never thought about like the environmental impact of technology or even fashion, which sounds ridiculous thinking about it now. Um, but now I buy basically all of my clothes from eBay. So thank you, Chelsea, intellectual queen. Oh, we love it. Yes, <laughs> That's like my best friend, Annie. Um, oh, yeah. Honey yeah <laughs> I've done the same for everyone I'm always like if whenever she sends me something she likes I'm like see if you can find it on eBay see if you can find <laughs> it on Depop it'll probably be cheaper anyway <laughs> literally oh well, that was nice okay. yeah thank you Annie yeah thank you Annie thank you for I don't, I don't want to say calling in because she hasn't called in thank you for the voice note <laughs> yeah okay so Moving on, before we start a whole nother rant, because we seem to be very good at that today, um, I'd like to move on to the hashtag um, GPT recommend section. Um, for anybody who hasn't listened before, GPT recommend is a hashtag that I've made for the podcast that's for small or sustainable businesses that we think or you think deserves a little bit of love and a shout out. So if you could comment hashtag GPT recommends or use it in a caption, and then we can see, or I can see, I mean, the rest of the world can see the hashtag, but I can see what people are recommending. So Chelsea will say free, and then I will say free, and we'll give you the names for each as we go. Okay? So Chelsea, did you want to go first? Yeah, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> so my first one is a slow fashion label. Uh, they're handmade to order um, called Mulby, Mulby the Label on Instagram um I just think their dresses are stunning <laughs> like so pretty um 
like really cute gingham summer dresses oh they are beautiful you have to you'll have to have a look at them I feel like I can't do it justice over a <laughs> podcast but trust me they're stunning um and they're a bit more expensive but they kind of they're almost trendless like they'd last you forever just because they're so nicely done which is also links to slow fashion and yeah they're handmade um my second recommendation is um a jewelry company called shop bethany hoops on instagram um i just really love their stuff and it's really good quality um especially for like instagrammable dainty jewelry i've got one of their necklaces but i also am tempted to get some of their rings (laughs) (laughs) they do a lot of really nice birthstone jewelry as well which is really sweet and like i said um it's really good quality it's not like cheap costume jewelry like I wear it in the shower and it's not got a funny colour. Speaking of birthdays while we're here, just a random fact, guys. Um, Chelsea is my first non-Leo <laughs> podcast guest. Chelsea is my first Gemini guest. So thank you, Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. I hope I've done the Gemini's justice I and I've given them a good representation because I know <laughs> they've got a bad rep. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, my third... Um, Grumpy Poodle recommendation is Limbo and Hatch which is a really cool um, trend based magazine and platform and they do a lot to do with digital um, and a lot to do with digital stuff like the mix of physical and digital they've got some really good posts um, and articles about um avatars and online personas which I found really interesting and they do a lot of stuff thinking about um the future and consequences of things like face tracking technology so yeah definitely have a look at that if you can yeah Chelsea sent me um this one before she sent me all three but that one definitely stood out like it's it's very um pleasing aesthetically I'd say yeah very futuristic (laughs) So if you could just um, round it off by saying all three names again. Okay, the first one is Mulby the Label. Um, It's the same on Instagram, just at Mulby the Label. Uh, The second one is Shop Bethany Hoops. That app is as it says. (laughs) And the third one is Limbo and Hatch. Um, And the app is... As the name says, Limbo and Hatch. Does it say says on the tin? Yeah, they all do. <laughs> so thank you for those three. So then my three, my first one is one that I, I personally shop from and I tag it in all my Instagram posts because I love them. It was originally called um, Fuck the Tories Jewelry, but now it's called Topple and Burn. Um, and it's because, uh, according to their Instagram page, uh, they're trying to become more marketable and be able to do collaborations. I mean, I would have loved if they could have kept the name, but we can't. But I, what I really loved is when you look at their tagline, it's um, beautiful jewellery for angry people, which for me was perfect. But um, they basically, it's, it, it's jewellery, but they all have um, different, like, I, I don't want to say slogans, but sayings. So, like, there's fuck the Tories earrings or... Uh, smash the patriarchy or <laughs> there, I think there's a new one which is um be gay and do crime which yeah I mean it's a small business um I would say it's sustainable but it's definitely a small business but what really spoke to me minus the political side was um for certain ones they do donations to charity so for example I have a necklace from them that says refugees welcome and 100% of profits goes to Calais Action which um, helps refugees across the UK and Europe. Um, there's um, another one where it's like uh, fuck the Tories and it's like an NHS one and they go to NHS charities together and there's 10%. So they're, they're, they're talking the talk, but they're also walking the walk, which, which we love. So that one... Yeah, that, that's really sweet. That it's really it's, isn't it? It's, they're cute too. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, and even though they say eat the rich, they're like really nice yeah, gold yeah, pieces. Yeah, but like some of them can be like acrylic colours, some of it's gold, some of it's silver coloured. So there's a little bit for everybody. 
for the liberal Tory hater. There's a bit for everybody there. Um, <laughs> but then for my second recommendation, um, it's not a fashion brand, but I, I love it and I keep entering their giveaways, but it's Zenful London, um, which is, I would say it's well-being, but they do things like candles. They make handmade candles. Um, and I, I like, I um, so birthstone, uh, birthstone candles and then they'll also do um, like you know the ones where they sculpt them and there's like a clamshell and like the female body it's one of the ones on Instagram but I feel like it's a lot more legit if that makes sense because I see a lot of brands at the moment doing that and they seem to be making the same thing this one just feels a little bit different and it involves like I said birthstones and uh, different kind of stones and they interweave and it's just it's really pretty and I feel like it will also be really good for your well-being depending on which stone you chose um so that's Zenful London and then the third one I recommend is Morph Lingerie which is all uh just Morph Lingerie but it's M-O-R-F and similar to last week it's a sustainable lingerie brand because I've worked in since um I've worked in lingerie since god I was 18 like I've worked in it for a while now and I, as much as I love lingerie, we need the alternative because it's like you said, it's hard to shop secondhand for lingerie, but people need lingerie because you're only supposed to, you're only supposed to wear like thongs and pants and stuff like that for up to, you're only supposed to wear them. It's different for, um, for different companies, but some people say six months, some people say a year. Um, obviously people wear them for longer than that. Nobody actually follows that. And so Having the alternative with sustainable lingerie would be much better. So, my yeah. and their stuff is really cute. I've just seen. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I'm like looking at the top now. <laughs> so, uh, my uh, my three recommendations are um, Topple and Burn, um, uh, which was originally Fuck the Tories jewelry, and then Zenful London and Morph lingerie. Okay, well, Chelsea, um, thank you so much for coming on. How how did you find that? Thank you so much for having me. I feel I feel really good. Oh, good. I, feel like I just had a nice chat. Uh, this is that's the main thing that I want to come from these podcasts because, like everybody, I know there were loads of podcasts that were made throughout lockdown, and everybody was just talking to each other. But it was like a form of escapism, and I don't want. I feel like everybody's trying to escape COVID and I'm not saying we should stay in it, but we need to acknowledge that we've been in this for a long time now. And so people need to talk about these things and not just run away from them. So I'm glad that you feel better. Yeah. And I think even though it's been horrible, like see the beauty in the small things. Like I would have never engaged with all of this new technology if it hadn't been for covid and yeah. i'm stuck in my room <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's been pretty shitty all around but it has been there have been some silver linings to so. say yeah like the burst of creativity and things i think that's really cool yeah definitely so again thank you so much for coming on um thank you everybody for listening thank you Sophie and annie for the voice notes they were really sweet and we really appreciated them